mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, longtime league executive Michael Lombardi joins us to talk about how the NFL became king of the American sports universe from his new book, Football Done Right. Also this morning, the fastest-growing sport in America, pickleball, and its rising popularity is leading to an increase in sports-related injuries, some of which are quite serious. Morning Brew, the first coffee and conversation event with new Findlay City School Superintendent Dr. Andy Hatton is happening this morning. We'll get details. And Happy Harvest, a collection of fresh-from-the-garden recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Friday, September 15th, 2023. By the way, you do the math, 107 days remaining in the year means 100 days until Christmas. 100 days away. And uh, on something of a related note, the Strong National Museum Hall of Fame in Rochester, New York, has announced their list of nominees for the National Toy Hall of Fame for 2023. 2023, or do they call this the 2024 class of inductees? These are the nominees. The winning toys uh, will be announced in November. Um, But you can vote for your favorites among the 12 toys that have been nominated this year, now through September 20th. So... I like you have a whole lot of time here uh, on this, but um, anyway, the twelve toys, and we like to talk about this every year because it's interesting the toys they choose to include for nomination to the National Toy Hall of Fame. Here are the twelve toys that are nominated this year: baseball cards, uh, also Battleship, the game Battleship, Bingo. Um, a toy called Bop It, and I have to admit, I'd never heard of this before. It apparently debuted in 1996. It was sort of an electronic game combined with physical elements. Uh, It's a handheld game which challenges players to follow voice-recorded commands to press a large button, pull a handle, or twist a lever, depending on the instruction. Uh, experts claim the game helps with eye hand uh, hand-eye coordination, focus and attention, and sensory motor integration. And uh, of course, it's just lots of fun. So, bop it. Maybe you had one of these when you were a kid. Uh, debuted in 1996. So, a more recent toy, Cabbage Patch Kids. Once again on the list, and I think Cabbage Patch Kids have been nominated before. The Choose Your Own Adventure books. You remember those? You'd read the story, and after every couple of pages, you'd be presented with an option. If you want to go into the haunted house, turn to page 16. If you want to explore the property, uh, if you want to explore the woods behind the house, turn to page 62. So the Choose Your Own Adventure books. I had a number of those when I was a kid. Uh, Connect Four, the... Um, tic-tac-toe checkers game, but everybody knows Connect Four. Ken, Barbie's girlfriend, Ken, has been nominated for inclusion into the Toy Hall of Fame. The Little Tykes Cozy Coop. What kid did not have a Cozy Coop growing up? Hit First hit stores in 1979, and if you were a kid uh, from that point forward i think every kid had one the little tykes cozy coop still around nerf toys slime you know nickelodeon slime the teenage mutant ninja turtles which again i think the teenage mutant ninja turtles have been nominated before so they're back so those are the uh, 12 toys um nominated for the i would have to say battleship uh, Connect Four, um, the the Cozy Coop, I would be all for that. So I don't know. You can vote for your favorite, the Toy Hall of Fame, from now until September 20th, winning toys 
will be announced in November. So, and if you want to vote, just Google the National Toy Hall of Fame 2023 and it'll pop up. So always like to uh, mention that this time of year when those uh, nominations around because they evoke such tremendous memories. Interesting baseball cards. I thought that was an interesting uh, nominee for inclusion, baseball cards. Some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your uh, Friday morning started. Here's something you want to hear just as we are starting to get toward cold and flu season. The FDA has announced that the main decongestant included in virtually all over-the-counter cold medicines is useless. (laughs) The main decongestant in virtually all over-the-counter cold medicines is useless. Uh, The ingredient, phenylephrine, has been used in cold and flu medicines since the 1970s. The alternative in over-the-counter medicines... Pseudo, pseudoephedrine is sold without a prescription, but it is available only behind the counter because it can be used as an ingredient in homemade meth. So those are the ones that you have to go to the pharmacist and ask for. They're not prescription, but uh, you still have to ask for them at the pharmacist counter, which means that the Phenyl, uh, phenylephrine is uh, much more popular because you can just grab it off the shelf. Uh, but the FDA says the only problem is it's useless. <laughs> the FDA now considering removing its designation of phenylephrine as a safe and effective medicine. They say that it's, as I understand it, they say it's not that it's unsafe, it's just not effective. So, great. That's just wonderful. I suppose at least they will tell us now before cold and flu season. But um, This is kind of interesting. A, a story that I saw, uh, it really uh, speaks to the love-hate relationship we have with modern technology here. A new poll of 2,000 Americans uh, finds that 57% of Americans are comfortable using artificial intelligence while shopping. And there are a number of different applications for this, from making shopping recommendations to um, offering specials because of your shopping habits. Loyalty programs employ artificial intelligence. Um, And, you know, virtually every store has a loyalty program these days. 57% of Americans say they use AI while shopping. 70% 70% though say they are concerned about privacy when using AI. But despite those concerns, 87% of the respondents in this uh, survey admitted that they were likely to share personal information with a store or a brand in order to save money. Uh, let's see here. Almost three quarters of those in the poll believe that artificial intelligence improves the shopping experience by saving time, offering convenience, or creating personalized shopping experiences. So basically, the organization that conducted this survey says, so many seem to have a fear of AI or big corporations taking their data, but they're willing to give it away if the deal is good enough. We are so concerned with protecting our privacy. But we'll give away all our personal information if you give us a good deal. That's That sounds very much like most consumers, you know? <laughs> concerned about, you know, we publicly we said we're concerned about privacy. We need we need privacy. This is a major concern. But if the deal's good enough, we have no qualms with it. <laughs> uh, let's see. Which is kind of interesting. We mentioned uh 100 days until Christmas, you're going to be uh, doing a lot of shopping here in the next uh, 100 days or so. It's kind of interesting. So this is something I think everybody has probably had this experience. You get wrapped up in a new TV show and suddenly the network pulls the rug out from under you and cancels it just as it's getting good. Has that ever happened to you? I think everybody's had that happen, right? 
where you really start to enjoy a, a new TV show. And I, it gets to the point where I won't watch anything that is new. I mean, we're getting into the time when we get the uh, fall uh, show, new show premieres. And uh, so on networks and streaming services and so on. And I will not watch any of them until I'm fairly certain that they'll at least last through the season. I've had that happen. I'll check out a new show. I really enjoy it. And like four episodes in, it'll get canceled. Uh, Apparently, the streaming service Max used to be HBO Max. Now it's just Max. They are the ones that cancel TV shows at a higher rate than any of the other streaming services, anyway. A new study by the uh, entertainment industry magazine Variety uh, used data on all series cancellations over the past three years to determine how often major streaming services are giving shows the axe. Overall, about 12% of shows do not return for a subsequent season after uh, being uh, introduced on a streaming service. Max had the highest cancellation rate at nearly 27%, followed by Disney Plus at about 21%. Apple TV Plus had the lowest cancellation rate at less than 5%. So if you get into a new show on Apple TV Plus, chances are good that it's going to be around for a while. Um, but uh, Max and Disney Plus, not so much. Netflix, Peacock, and Prime Video... Um, all had uh, cancellation rates about 10%. So, interesting. And uh, lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, this one just kind of brought a smile to my face. So I like uh, this story on a Friday. A Minnesota couple born on the same day in the same hospital have now gotten married. <laughs> Joshua and Elizabeth Colbert tied the knot in Cambridge, Minnesota on Wednesday. They've only been dating for about six months, but they figured it must be destiny. Not only were they born on the same day, they were born in the same hospital on the same day. And they, uh, when they were getting to know each other, discussing their backgrounds, uh, they also discovered that they went to the same school. Uh, the same school in Blaine, Minnesota, at least during kindergarten. They started kindergarten at the same school. After deciding to get married, they invited their kindergarten teacher to the wedding ceremony, which I think was uh, kind of appropriate. Um, And uh, not only were they born the same day, they share a birthday, now they share a wedding anniversary on that birthday as well. September 13th, their shared birthday is the day that they got married. Isn't that... Wow, that is, talk about a a couple that was destined to be together. I just, I saw that story and I thought that's really cute. Brought a smile to my face. There you go. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your TGI Friday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchak. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly to mostly sunny skies today with a high around 70. Partly cloudy tonight, a low in the upper 40s. The NCAA says the University of Finley improperly certified eligibility for 82 student-athletes in 11 sports over three academic years. The school and enforcement staff agreed that the violations occurred when the former director of compliance at the school did not complete required eligibility checklists or check for initial eligibility and amateurism certification as required by NCAA rules. The NCAA says enforcement staff and the university agreed on the following penalties and corrective measures, three years probation, a $2,500 fine, and a vacation of all records in which student-athletes competed while ineligible. Get more in the story on our website. This is National Suicide Prevention Week, a cause of death that the Ohio Department of Health says is significant. Suicides in Ohio are up. The data shows five Ohioans die by suicide each day. In 2021, it was the second leading cause of death among Ohioans between the ages of 10 and 34, and the 12th leading cause of death overall. I'm Yolanda Harris. Ohio's Committee on Rail Safety adopted a 132-page report signifying an end of months of meetings and investigations into the derailment in East Palestine. 
Two last-minute amendments were added. One puts a time frame on monitoring the soil. This recommendation would be for the state to monitor ground chemicals for at least 20 years. The next would provide money for yearly reports on agriculture in the East Palestine region. East Palestine resident and mom Jess Connard says there needs to be more action from Washington. We're starting to, you know, really, really push for that emergency declaration. Connard adds a federal disaster declaration would help bring some normalcy back to eastern Ohio. I'm Colin Dorsey. The Finley-Hancock County Public Library is encouraging people who don't have one yet to get a library card this month during National Library Card Sign-Up Month. The library will think there is nothing more empowering than getting your own library card. It gives you access to technology, resources, and services to help you pursue your passions and your dreams. That's Library Director Sarah Clevidence. Remember, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. America's passion for the game of football seemingly knows no bounds. From now until Super Bowl Sunday, the entire lives of millions of fans revolve around the sport, and no one knows that better than Michael Lombardi, three-time Super Bowl-winning NFL executive and strategist for the Patriots, 49ers, Eagles, Broncos, Raiders, and, of course, the Cleveland Browns for a time. And he is the author of the new book, Football Done Right, setting the record straight on the coaches, players, and history of the NFL. And, Michael, first of all, thanks very much for taking the time. We certainly appreciate it. No, thank you for having me, Chris. I appreciate it. So the subtitle of the book kind of intrigues me, the part about setting the record straight. What do you mean by that? Well, I think there's a lot of coaches, some players, that haven't really had their fair due process when it comes to their evaluation by the NFL and the committee. And I think there needs to be some attention to that. And I just, to me, it's about making people aware of that and trying to kind of gain some consistency within the, the process. You know, when you look at, uh, when you look at the winningest coach of all, you know, the, the winningest coaches in the national football league, for example, Marty Schottenheimer is one of eight coaches who have over is the eighth winningest coach of all time in NFL history. Mm -hmm. And and he can't get a, he can't get a sniff to get into the hall of fame. Nobody will even talk about it. Yeah. And so for me, I wanted to write about that, you know, and I wanted to have a conversation and can we get, can we get a conversation about that? I mean, what is the criteria, right? What is the criteria to get into the hall of fame? Marty's got 21 years of service. He's eighth all time on the win list. Uh, You know, he's got a 61% winning percentage. Dick Vermeil just got into the Hall of Fame. He's 35th in the league. He's got a 52% winning percentage. He's yeah. got 120 wins. You know, he only coached 19 of those years. What? It, so what? what is it? Tell me what it is. I'd like to know. Yeah. Uh, you also take on those eternal questions as in the sense that they debated among fans in bars and man caves and on sports radio about the greatest players and coaches, the greatest games the best team of all time, those questions that seemingly have no right or wrong answer, but do they? No, I, I, here's the way I viewed that, Chris, is I, what I try to do is put the Hall of Fame into categories. And the, let's take, for example, Tommy McDonald. And I'm not picking, again, my, this intent of this book is to not get anybody removed from the Hall of Fame, only to make people aware of the Hall of Fame and why there should be different levels. Levels, For example, Jerry Rice has a gold jacket in the Hall of Fame, so deserving, tremendously deserving. But so does Tommy McDonald. Now, is Tommy McDonald a Hall and, – and Tommy McDonald's got 84 career touchdown catches. Tremendous. He played nine years at 84 touchdowns. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. But he's a lot different than – than Jerry Rice or Randy Moss. So there's levels to the Hall of Fame, and I wanted to try to bring that into account. That's one of the things that we love about any sport, though, isn't it? I mean, you know, football or, or any other sport is uh, debating those players of different eras with different stat lines and comparing them to each other. Right. And so, like, for me, if I, I broke it into elite, exceptional, extraordinary, excellent, and everlasting. And if you want to argue a guy belongs 
you know, instead of being tenth in the elite category, he belongs twelfth. Sure, we can have that. We can have that. But if you think somebody from the everlasting category belongs in the elite, you know, then that's kind of where you, you got to have a conversation. And I, yeah. but I think, look, all these guys, a hundred hundred players. All of them are great. We could have gone to 110. We could have gone to 120. You know, there's so many great players, but I wanted to make it so that there's a, you know, like, for example, Sterling Sharp. He played seven years in the NFL. He was Pro Bowl five times. He only has 65 touchdowns. He's outstanding. His numbers, when you look at the Hall of Fame meter, you know, is ahead of a lot of Hall of Fame receivers, including Tommy McDonald, Bob Hayes, and some others. But he can't get in the Hall of Fame because they say he play, he didn't play enough. Yeah. Well, Lynn Swan played eight years. You know, yeah. Lynn Swan only played Good eight point. years, and he's in the Hall of Fame. And and Lynn Swan's only got fifty one touchdowns, and Sterling Sharp's got sixty one. Yeah. So explain to me how you make a difference. <laughs> now I know Lynn Lynn Swan won Super Bowls, but if you put Fred, if you put Sterling Sharp on Lynn Swan's team, what would he have done? Yeah. Well, and if Super Bowls is the be all and end all, then what do you? What about all of the players before the Super Bowl era? And and uh, you you talk about the those elite and the everlasting categories, and really in there is where you get into the story of how the. NFL, the National Football League as we know it today, became the behemoth that it is now because uh, obviously that all wasn't always the case. Yeah, and and I don't think those men get enough credit for what they did for the sport, right? I mean, look, I'm a child of the 70s. I grew up, I was born in 59. When I would get up, uh, you know, Monday nights were big for me. I loved football sure. and I wanted to watch it. And so, you know, to see when Howard Cosell came on my television, that was like, wow, you know, and I wanted to see the highlights. You know, we couldn't see highlights back in the day. We mm-hmm. had no highlights. Right. We didn't even know. My favorite team was the Washington Redskins because Vince Lombardi, that was his last team he worked for. I wanted to know if they wore their white jerseys or their or their burgundy ones. I didn't know. I, yeah. I couldn't. I had to visualize it in my head. So to me, the power of television. I mean, look, let's face it. You know, the the wall came down in Berlin because of television. Mm-hmm. People saw the other side, how they lived. It's a powerful tool. And it advanced the value of all these franchises. And what Cosell did on Monday night was remarkable. 50% of the country, you know, called in to complain. Another 50% <laughs> called to say how much they loved them. Yeah. Well, you know, you touch on, you bring up that, the point of the media. And I, that is really one of the things that is intriguing to me about the evolution of the NFL is that relationship between football and the media and the fact that one could not exist without the other. And yet we are at a, a bit of a turning point in this media landscape now and a lot of questions about how the league navigates uh, this new media world today yeah i think cosell said it best and you know and i am a product of his advice because what we need from the media more is honesty you know we don't need agendas and i think that what cosell said is true uh, if we see it, we should say it. You know, everybody's so concerned about criticizing. When you're not criticizing, you're explaining the game to the fans. That's really what you're trying to do. You're trying to explain the game to the fans to let them understand what's actually going on and educate them on the game, which will help everybody and take maybe some of the pressure off the coaches and give them a better understanding of actually what is happening. I'd be curious your take on this because, you know, there's that old saying that nothing lasts forever and it's it's hard to imagine the NFL ever falling from its perch on top of the American sports universe. But what do you see in the game today that most concerns you for the future of the league? Well, I think, you know, we have to make sure that the integrity of the game always is maintained since gambling come, has come in. And mm-hmm. that's really important. And I think the league is trying to do as good a job of that is we don't want that. We don't want what happened in basketball with the referee to affect the game. So yeah. I, I think that's really can be important. And then I think we have to have player safety. You know, we want to make sure the players are safe and they're handled properly. And, you know, when we have great uh, protocols for concussion, great protocols for all that. Mm-hmm. This is a great game and it's only going to get better. It's, and it's only going to get better. It's interesting. You I, mentioned. Oh, I think it, 
No, I just, it, it will get better because the evolution of it will keep getting better. Well, it's interesting you mention that because I suppose this is also part of the debate among fans when you hear people say that this or that is going to be the downfall of the NFL, whether it's changes to the rules or big money contracts or rising ticket prices. It seems that the league has always been impervious to these things that really could turn people away from the game, but yet fans just keep coming back for more. Yeah, I mean, look, we are in the entertainment business, right? And, you know, Taylor Swift uh, is, when she does her concerts, I mean, think about, you know, I mean, she will be one of the, she will be the first billion dollar entertainer, you know? And and I think that we sometimes lose sight that sports is truly entertainment. Mm-hmm. And sports, the NFL's rating that they can deliver, deliver a rating, is without having to do any production is incredible, and those rates are just going to keep going up because the 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 audience that it reaches is remarkable. Think about this, Chris. When CBS under the Tish family decided to get out of football with CBS, and mm-hmm. Fox came in and swooped himself. Yeah. Fox was just a, a European network. They, right. they were in Australia and Great Britain. Right. Now they're in every one of that. That made them. Mm-hmm. And what happened to CBS was an interesting case study. CBS became. You can remember the advertisements, the most watched network of all four. Mm-hmm. The problem was their demographics were horrible. Yeah. And so they couldn't sell anything. Everybody was older, not buying a new washing machine, not not buying a new car. They were watching Murder, She Wrote. And, and so I think to me, that was really powerful. Yeah. Again, uh, Michael Lombardi is a three-time Super Bowl winning NFL executive and strategist, author of Football Done Right, Setting the Record Straight on the Coaches, Players, and History of the NFL. Really fascinating book. Michael, thanks very much for taking the time this morning. We certainly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Appreciate you having me. Well, you know, unless you have been living in a cave over the past couple of years, you know that pickleball is the fastest growing sport in America. And even if you are not an enthusiast, you can tell that just by the number of courts, new courts that are popping up seemingly everywhere. This explosive growth, though, is leading to more injuries. Yes, muscle strains and ankle sprains, but also concussions. And joining us this morning is Dr. Beth McQuistian, neurologist and medical director in Abbott's diagnostics business, and Tom Webb, who is chief marketing officer for the Association of Pickleball Players. And Tom, let me actually start with you. For those who uh, have not yet been caught up in this pickleball craze, uh why has this sport grown so quickly? I mean, what is uh, the main thing that is attracting so many people to this sport? Well, good morning. Thank you very much for having us on. Uh, I think uh, that the, there are three reasons why pickleball is growing so fast. The first of those, and, and the most important one, is about having fun. Um, over 75% of the people that play pickleball um, say uh, that they're doing so because they want to have fun. Uh, and, and I think you see that if you play or if you go and watch anybody playing, you see a lot of people smiling uh, and you get a real sense of the kind of community piece uh, that is taking, taking place at events. I think the second piece is what I would call adaptability. Uh, it's a game that's very easy for people to be able to pick up and be quite good at quite quickly. So you get a real sense of achievement from playing the sport that perhaps it's slightly harder to get with other sports that people are trying for the first time. And then I think the third thing with this is about sociability and community. Uh, we, we know that uh, a lot of people who are playing, as I say, are having fun, but they're doing so with friends and family indoors or outdoors, depending on the venue that they're taking part in the sport in, and they're meeting new friends. So I think when you combine those three things together, those are the kind of three primary drivers of the sport's growth. Now, Dr. Beth, the thing that really uh, struck me when I'm uh, looking at this data here is $400 million in healthcare costs related to pickleball-related injuries. Uh, that seems very startling for something that is billed as kind of a, a low-impact um, you know, sport that uh, everybody of all ages can participate in. It's not a contact sport like football or, or soccer or anything like that, so... Why uh, is this such an issue? Well, just like anything in life, everything comes with risks and benefits. 
And I can tell you as a neurologist, one of the best things you can do for your brain is to get exercise. So what we'd like to do today is walk you through some ways to maximize the fun and maximize the safety. And if I may just jump in, I think that there's an important point that we should make with this as well. Is That figure that you quote, while that is a large number, um, it, it should be placed in context of how many people are playing the sport of pickleball. So Fair the enough. APP, my organization, has recently run some research which has established that nearly 50 million adult Americans have played at least once in the last 12 months. And I think when you look at the, 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 kind of the, the number that you're quoting in relation to the number of people who are playing the sport, you get a sense then of, of actually it's a relatively realistic number. It's almost inevitable that you're going to have some people who have some yeah. risks of injuries. Um, and our role here today is make sure that everybody who's taking part in the sport uh, is able to do so safely and securely. It is a fair point. So let's uh, start with this. How for those who, whether they're already playing or thinking of taking up this sport, how do people uh, help prevent injuries from happening, first of all? Well, Concussion Awareness Now was founded by Abbott, which is an organization that with 20 different groups all focused on brain health. And what we have really suggested and put out there on the internet for people is a list of signs and symptoms for concussion. So that's number one, knowing if you've been injured or not. Um, and when you look at a brain injury, it's almost like an invisible injury. You can't see your brain. When somebody twists their ankle, they can see that their ankle is big. Now for your brain, what you have to do is really take a minute, stop, assess if you, if you have any symptoms. And the number one symptom that people have would be headache, also some nausea, perhaps vomiting, or they may feel off, the reaction times can be off, dizziness. Now that said, the best injury, of course, is no injury. So we have some simple tips that people can follow to really keep them safe and have fun. Number one would be, just like your mom always told you, get a good night's sleep before you play pickleball. And then make sure that you stay hydrated, you warm up, you stretch. And the most important point, don't be a hero. Don't lunch <laughs> for the ball. Just let it go. It's all about having fun. By the way, uh, we should mention as sort of an aside, all of this uh, is true and is a valid point, regardless of what kind of physical activity uh, that you're engaging in, whether it be pickleball or anything else, because we know that concussions can happen in uh, just about every uh, sport or any physical activity. So this applies uh, to all of this. But what else uh, do we want to look for? Uh, or what else should we know about uh, preventing and treating injuries, uh, concussion or otherwise, as it relates specifically to uh, pickleball? Sure. So some of the common injuries that we see would be sprains, strains. Um, for everyday injuries, you know, what we always recommend is rice, right? Rice, uh, rest, ice, compression, and elevate. However, if, if you're worried that you've had an injury, always go get it checked. Now, when in doubt, Go get it checked out. And then also we really encourage everybody to be engaged in the concussion awareness. When people hit their head, they have a hard time knowing that they've been injured. So it may not be you that has a concussion, but if you have a friend that was playing that may have hit their head, be on the lookout and you'll be a champion for your, their health too. And if I may add as well, I think it's important to note that you shouldn't try and walk it off. If you've had some sort of injury, playing pickable, or like you said, doing any kind of um, activity, uh, you need to go and seek medical attention as soon as possible. Yeah. Uh, again, so important because this is such a growing sport. Uh, again, we think of it as being sort of a, a low-impact, easy way to get active. But just like any sport, uh, injuries can happen, and they can be quite serious. Uh, Dr. Beth, you mentioned the uh, website with more information on concussion awareness specifically. Yes. So you can go to Concussion Awareness Now's website at concussionawarenessnow.org or checkyourmelon.com. And please join us in this conversation. Look on social hashtag Melon Wedge. There you and go. If you want to find out anything else about Pickleball, go to theapp.global. 
Okay, that was the other question that I was going to ask. I want to get that website in there as well. Again, Dr. Beth McQuistian, neurologist, medical director in Abbott's Diagnostics Business, and Tom Webb, chief marketing officer for the Association of Pickleball Players. Thank you both for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you very much. So Finley City School Superintendent Dr. Andy Hatton getting an early start to his day this morning, getting set to hold the first coffee and conversation event. Here at uh, Coffee Amici, be getting underway in just a bit, and Dr. Hatton with us on the line this morning. Dr. Hatton, thanks very much for uh, taking the time. First of all, we appreciate it. Hey, good morning, Chris. Thanks for having me. So uh, this is a kind of a, a become a popular thing uh, among elected officials and law enforcement to have done this. And now uh, you're doing this as part of the uh, Findlay City Schools, this uh, morning brew coffee and conversation event. Kind of lay this out, uh, what you what the concept is, what you're hoping to uh, glean from this event. Well, again, thanks for having me. It's been a great start to the school year in Finley City Schools. And being new and being new to the community, um, I just want to get out as much as possible and not only engage with our staff first and foremost, and we have an amazing staff in Finley City Schools. And of course, uh, I'm always going to be a teacher at heart and I want to get to know our students and hear about their experiences because we are simply here to serve them. But I'm also here and, and we are here to serve this community. And so the morning brew coffee and conversation is literally that. It's just kind of informal, laid back. I want to hear from parents. I want to hear from community members and uh, hear about their expectations for our school district. Really, uh, pretty much anything that's on people's minds, uh, just kind of uh, open this up and and uh, just a uh, an informal conversation event. Yeah, exactly. Um, we want to be open and transparent with what we're doing in our schools, the great things that we're doing. Uh, and so, yes, uh, primarily school related. I mean, I can uh, talk sports. I can talk <laughs> anything else that's going on. You know, we can talk Buckeye football. Well, the- we can talk whatever. But, uh, you know, yeah, it's primarily just about, you know, what the great things are, that we're doing in our schools. Well, that's one of the things, uh, you know, you kind of open this up like that and, and who knows what you might hear. And I suppose uh, on a certain level, that's good. That's that's the purpose. But um, it, it's it. You don't you don't want it to turn into a, a big gripe session uh, at the at the same time. You want people to bring maybe concerns and and things like that. But um, talk about making sure that this doesn't just turn into something that is not productive. Well, of course, and I and I don't think it would go down that road. I think that you know we're also here though. If if anyone's having a, a negative experience in our schools, mm-hmm. I want to hear about it. You know, our leaders want to hear about it. Our teachers want to hear about it. Um, and there is certainly a time and a place for that. This is definitely more of a you know intended to be just a, a positive listening session, mm-hmm. so that we can learn and respond to and enhance. Um, and, and continue to elevate our district. And with respect to that, um, what is what is the chance that uh, that something that you hear at one of these coffee and conversation events, one of these morning brew events, actually leads to an an actionable item for the district? Oh my gosh, I think it could be <laughs> that could be highly likely. I mean, look, we don't we don't have all the answers. I don't have all the answers. I've been uh, doing this for over 27 years, but I, I'm a learner. We are all learners. And so um, when we hear, and, and again, I'm going to go back to students. When, when I meet with students and listen about maybe how are things going at lunch or recess or, you know, in, a, in certain learning environments, and they say, hey, you know, well, this is our experience. And, you know, sometimes we as adults forget what their lived experience is like mm-hmm. and we adjust. And so I think it, I think it's, you know, highly likely that we'll hear some things, you know, like, like, Hey, have you guys ever thought of this? And, you know, maybe we have, maybe we haven't. So give us all of the details. Today's event happening at Coffee Amici, uh, beginning here at uh, seven o'clock. Uh, but this is mm-hmm. not just a one-off, uh, event, right? 
Chris, you're right. What my, what our goal is, is to be out and about all over our community and whether it's, uh, you know, a coffee house, I mean, we'll, we'll call it the morning brew. We've even thought about, you know, we're kicking around ideas of just setting up our own little tent somewhere and, you know, greeting parents at maybe the, the schools drop off in the morning. We just want to be out and about and listen to people from every corner of our community, uh, because we are here to serve every student in this community. So, uh, future, are there future events that are, I mean, let's say, you know, somebody's hearing us talk and uh, interested in, you know, uh, striking up a conversation, but maybe can't make it out today. Um, are there future events that are already on the schedule or is this a a TBA kind of thing? Yeah, I'm going to have to tease it out a little bit. This is a TBA <laughs> right now. <Okay. laughs> we, we actually we actually have um, a list that we're generating and starting. You know, we want to okay. work with our part, you know, give some people some heads up out in the community in terms of the businesses and the business owners. But um, yeah, we will have these announced out a little bit more than just a few days in advance. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll see who shows up this morning. And then again, um, we will get these announced uh, well in advance. So I'd ask everyone to follow, you know, uh, you all and then our social media and of course uh, information at the uh, city schools website fcs.org uh, which we have linked up by the way at uh, our webpage at goodmornings.net and you'll be out there for uh for what about an hour or so right We'll be out there for about an hour and again, just talking about all the great things that are going on in our schools and we're open to hearing about how we can get better. You know, one thing that I'll share with you, this is the first that I've shared this publicly. So you get like a breaking news event. Here we go. Um, <laughs> our, uh, we are always about, uh, excellence, opportunity and belonging. And the, the state report card is simply one snapshot in time for all schools in Ohio about how they're doing. Right. And, uh, we are proud to say that, you know, it's a, it's a star system. Now it's not, uh, you know, a letter grade, right. A, B, C, D, E, you know, F and all that it's stars. So five stars is the most you can get. Three stars means you did your job. You did, you know, you did what was expected mm-hmm. uh, based on the state standards. I'm happy to share that Finley city schools received 4.5 stars on the state report card comprehensively. And we're going to have more details on that at our uh, board meeting Monday night. And then a, a more in-depth report at the board meeting in October, but more details to come on, on that. And I'm just so proud of the entire staff, the entire team, all the work they did last year, the students, the family support. Um, it takes the true community to uh, elevate an entire school district, and we are on the right track. Yeah, those uh, school report cards uh, were released this week. And uh, just as a bit of a sidebar on that, I mean, four and a half out of five stars is pretty high bar to set. The challenge now, of course, becomes staying there. Oh, and bring that on. Yes, we, uh, <laughs> those, even though it, when we achieve five stars across the board, um, that is still more of a, a, a minimum bar for the standards that we have here in Finley City Schools. And we're going to continue to, uh, raise that level of excellence. Again, the, the state report card is just one snapshot in time. And we're always going to use multiple data points to, to look at the, uh, not only the academic health, but the, the well-being health of our students. Again, Dr. Andy Hatton, superintendent of Findlay City Schools, the first coffee and conversation event morning brew uh, getting set to get underway at 7 o'clock this morning at Coffee Amici. Uh, if you'd like to uh, speak with uh, Dr. Hatton about uh, anything <clears throat> regarding the schools, drop on by, be there for about an hour or so, striking up conversations and sharing uh, a morning brew with, uh, with folks uh, in the district. And Dr. Hatton, thanks very much for taking the time this morning. We appreciate Chris, thanks for having me, and you have a great weekend. I'm John Marshall with this high school football preview. We'll reach the midway point of the regular season after the games tonight. To get there, we'll have three Blanchard Valley Conference games, while two BBC teams will play non-league opponents. Liberty Benton and Elmwood meet on the Royals' home turf on their first conference matchup. Riverdale hosts Van Buren, and on WKXA, it will be Pandora Gilboa at Macomb. Pre-game starts at 6.35 with a 7 o'clock kick. In non-league play, it's Worthington Christian at Arlington, and Arcadia entertains Division 5 Grandview Heights. The Bobcats come to Arcadia from the newly formed Central Buckeye League and are 2-2 two two with a pair of wins over Columbus City Schools. 
Finley meets longtime rival Fremont Ross in Sandusky County tonight. The Trojans enter the NLL contest at 3-1 with three straight wins of 35 points or more. Ross sports a 1-3 record and is 72 points in the red against their opponents. Despite that fact, Trojan coach Stefan Adams has his team geared up for a dogfight as the records often mean nothing when these two teams meet. That game will air on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM with pregame starting at 6.30. Also in the NLL, it will be Bowling Green at Sylvania Northview, Whitmer visits Southview, Clay hosts Perrysburg, Napoleon is at Springfield, and Anthony Wayne gets a non-league visit from start. In the Western Buckeye League, Ottawa Glandorf looks to get its first win of the year when the Titans host St. Mary's. Both teams are winless to this point. The game will air on our sister station 106.3 The Fox, starting with pregame at 6.30. Other WBL games see Salina at Kenton, Elida visiting Bath, Shawnee at Defiance, and Wapakoneta going to Van Wert. Northwest Central Conference games tonight include Corey Rosson at Elgin, North Baltimore on the road with Waynesfield Goshen, Harden Northern traveling to Perry, Crestline at Ridgemont, and Upper Scioto Valley going to Ridgedale. In the Northwest Conference, it's 4-0 Bluffton at Spencerville, undefeated Lipsick visits Ada, Crestview is at Lafayette to see Allen East, and Columbus Grove takes on Delphus Jefferson. Cary visits Buckeye Central in the Northern 10, while it's Upper Sandusky at Bucyrus, Seneca East visiting Colonel Crawford, and Winford goes to Mohawk. Other games of local interest see Independent Van Lu, Ohio's smallest school playing 11-man football, getting a visit from Division V opponent Northwood. An SBC matchup pitting Hopewell Loudon and Lakota in Kansas, and Patrick Henry getting a visit from Bryan for an NWOAL game. For Good Mornings, I'm John Marshall, WFIN Sports. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Sometimes you don't have to go very far to find the broken news. Uh, If you are headed to Fremont tonight for the Trojans game, uh, you might want to skip stopping at Duncan. Let me explain why. Uh, a, A bit of a chaotic event Sunday at Dunkin' Donuts in Fremont. Police say a customer complaining that the clerk at Dunkin' put liquid sugar into her coffee led to an argument between the two. And according to security video footage, things took a turn when the clerk punched the customer in the face. (laughs) Punched the customer in the face. Um, And then pulled the customer behind the counter where the violence continued. Um, The cashier at uh, at Dunkin', Anaya McLean, has been arrested and charged with assault, but... Uh, the customer is not always right in this case. Uh, Duncan and Fremont apparently dispute over sugar in a cup of coffee turn into a, a violent melee. It's crazy. <clears throat> Elsewhere in the broken news uh, this morning, a Canadian man is facing charges after allegedly entering the U.S. illegally to steal a firearm from a pawn shop in Macomb County, Michigan. Now, check this out. Police were called to the pawn shop last week after employees said a man asked to see a handgun and then promptly ran out of the store with the weapon. I'm actually kind of surprised that doesn't happen more often. You know what I mean? Um, But anyway, uh, officials say Jeremy James Wallace happened to match the suspect description Um. And uh, then admitted to police that he swam across the St. Clair River from Ontario, planning to get a gun from a pawn shop after he was unable to purchase one in Canada. Now, that's going to an extreme. I mean, he swam across the St. Clair River from Ontario into Michigan to get a gun. Here's the How did he plan to get it home? That, I mean, you'd, <laughs> you'd take the gun in the river. Uh, presumably, he would have to swim back across the river uh, to Ontario and get the gun wet. Does it? 
mean, I'm not a firearms expert, but I'm thinking that's probably not a, a real healthy thing for a firearm. He is facing now, Mr. Wallace is, a charge of uh, being an illegal alien in possession of a firearm and ammunition, stolen firearm possession, and improper entry uh, by an alien citizen. So, <laughs> he's going to hang around in Michigan for a little while anyway. All kinds of trouble. Uh, let's see. A oh, man... This is a Montgomery, Dateline, Montgomery, Alabama. A man is accused of robbing a Dollar General store earlier this week, but he wasn't interested in money. No. Ronrico Scott pushed past two employees with two cases of Corona beer and assorted candy and then, <laughs> and then threatened to harm the employees. According to court records, he reportedly reached in his pocket for what was described as a pistol, uh, Scott was uh, arrested and charged with two counts of first-degree robbery. <laughs> Just went to Dollar General for two cases of Corona and assorted candy. He's having a party, apparently. A couple of other items here in the uh, broken news. A very unusual incident from Kootenay, British Columbia, Canada, where a 28-year-old woman spent an unexpected night behind bars after a twerking showdown with a police officer. Uh, he was, uh, She was attempting to enter his vehicle, the police officer's vehicle. This uh, peculiar episode unfolded earlier this month uh, when the RCMP, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, received reports of a woman causing a ruckus in the 1400 block of Bay Avenue in uh, Trail, British Columbia. Uh, the trouble began when the woman, who apparently was a local resident, so folks knew her in the neighborhood, refused to exit a business despite being urged to do so by employees. <laughs> I don't know what she was doing, but they wanted her out. She refused to leave. A responding Mountie managed to convince her to leave the business premises, but she stubbornly refused to leave the vicinity of the uh, business, suspecting that she might be under the influence of some sort of intoxicating substance. The officer attempted to return to his police vehicle, and that's when things took a bizarre turn. The woman obstructed his path and embarked on a spontaneous twerking performance while hurling obscenities at the officer. <laughs> Undeterred by the officer's warnings of imminent arrest, she continued her dance routine. Consequently, she was arrested on charges of breach of peace and public intoxication. She spent the night in the uh, local pokey until she sobered up. Sergeant Mike Wisinovich summed it up by saying, quote, she came into this incident like a wrecking ball. You know, referencing Miley Cyrus and the twerking and the, yeah. Um, <clears throat> uh, the uh, uh, officer said it was a truly unforgettable encounter. That's being diplomatic. <laughs> this is what happens when somebody wakes up one morning and says, how much trouble can I get into today? So, a couple in Singapore, the international file, a couple in Singapore uh, got an unexpected result when they shoved a playpen into a laundromat washing machine. Now, if you have kids... Uh, and you have one of those uh, portable playpens, you know that they do tend to get dirty after a while. I mean, kids are are messy, and these things, you know, they, they get dirty, they get kind of cruddy and, and gross. Uh, but you really can't put a playpen into a washing machine, even a large commercial washing machine. The machine exploded. Literally exploded. Video footage shows the baby playpen falling out of the washer as broken glass and soapy water spread all over the floor. Olivia Law, the woman who recorded the incident, said it was like a horror movie. Foam and glass flying everywhere. Fortunately, no one was injured. The couple has reportedly been discussing compensation with the owner of the laundromat. <laughs> I would hope so. Uh, and finally, so don't do that. Don't do that. And uh, finally, the broken news this morning. So in California, 
As a matter of fact, in a lot of states, during the pandemic, there was a moratorium on evictions. A lot of people were out of work uh, or had their hours severely curtailed. They weren't making as much money. And so to protect people from becoming homeless and to prevent having uh, to deal with a huge sudden homeless problem, uh, a lot of states put uh, restrictions in place on uh, evictions, tenant evictions. Uh, there was a moratorium. Well, in California, the uh, moratorium on evictions expired recently, and a landlord's association in Berkeley held a cocktail party to celebrate the return of evictions. <laughs> Unfortunately, the mixer ended in a fist fight. Two dozen landlords attended the Berkeley Property Owners Association event commemorating the end of eviction moratoriums. Uh, about 100 community members, though, showed up at the event to protest, and a fight soon broke out between the attendants and the protesters. Some alleged that a male landlord slapped a female picketer in the face. The BPOA, though, issued a statement on social media saying it condemns the actions of hostile dissidents who disrupted a private gathering at a local restaurant to intimidate, harass, and physically assault our members. <laughs> I, I Are you really that surprised that there were protesters? They held a cocktail party to celebrate the fact that they could kick people out of their homes again. That's, I mean, I, I get it. <laughs> that seems a little in your face. Uh, there you go. Uh, so big surprise that that turned into a uh, big melee, a big ruckus. That is uh, today's broken news report, an update of the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Ever wonder what being a Finley Rotarian is all about? I'm Alyssa Preston, director of the Hancock County Convention and Visitors Bureau. I am proud to be a Finley Rotarian because locally we make an impact by recognizing amazing educators in the Finley and Hancock County area through the Golden Apple Award. To become part of an organization that brings together business, professional leaders to provide community service and advance goodwill, contact Findlay Rotary at findlayrotary.org and click on join. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. We're heading into the weekend, and what do we do on the weekend? We go out on dates, we hang out with our friends, all of that and and, and so on. A new poll of 2,000 dog owners finds 6 in 10 believe that their furry companions actually have a better social life than they do. <laughs> or at least social lives that are just as lively, uh, if not more so, than their own. Six in ten say their dogs have a better social life than they do. Um, 34% in the poll believe that their dog has an easier time making friends than they do. Um, and that's, it's interesting, this uh, poll is commissioned by PetSafe, uh, conducted by one poll, and uh, that is probably not incorrect. Dogs probably do have an easier time making friends than they do because they are naturally social animals. Some of us, maybe a little less so. And uh, Carla Atanasio uh, of uh, PetSafe says, uh, oftentimes dogs can help us come out of our own shells as a result. But anyway, 34% uh, believe their dog have has an easier time making friends than they do. Most dogs seem to form bonds that mirror our own. 62% of those in the poll say that their dog has both friends and frenemies. <laughs> you know, those friends that aren't really friends. You know what I'm talking about, friends and frenemies. 62% uh, say their dog has a, a frenemy uh, as well. 52% believe that their dog has a best friend and i i have to would have to agree my dog definitely has a uh, has a best friend and 50 or uh, nearly 50% 49% actually say their dog has a boyfriend or girlfriend in their own social circles now i don't know if dogs have relationships on that level 
romantically speaking, but 49% of those in the survey believe that, yes, their dog has a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Again, 6 in 10 say their dogs have a better social life than they do. I don't mean to depress you (laughs) as we're heading into the weekend about your own social life, but there you go. As is customary to finish up the week, my wife Kyra has joined us in the studio with another collection of recipes from Kyra's Kitchen. Good morning, dear. Good morning. Uh, This is kind of a a timely theme because uh, folks are harvesting their backyard gardens now. I mean, it's not really harvest time yet for like farmers and those they'll have a few weeks yet but it is happy harvest time for your backyard garden (laughs) yeah and uh, so you probably have some like giving stuff away (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is the time when uh, everybody who's got a garden is going to say need some tomatoes you need some zucchini you need some you know all of those things cucumbers and you know whatever um so if you have uh those vegetables Mm -hmm. and you or a friend that has those vegetables (laughs) and trying to give them to you (laughs) you need something to uh, to do with those, yeah. we have these uh, end of the season garden fresh from the garden recipes, yes. and uh, this is all stuff uh, that you can make right away. Some mm-hmm. of it you can have right away. Some of it you can yeah. you freeze. Know, store freeze. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, first of all, have a crock pot spaghetti sauce. Yes. So all of those fresh tomatoes. Yes. So 10 cups of tomatoes stemmed, uh, two teaspoons of dried basil, one teaspoon of dried oregano, one teaspoon of dried parsley, five tablespoons of minced garlic, one cup onion chopped, six ounce can of your tomato paste, which is optional if you like your spaghetti sauce to be a little bit thicker, um, one eighth tablespoon or teaspoon of baking soda, sugar to taste, and salt and pepper to taste. So rinse your tomatoes and remove the stem. Drop the, ma- the tomatoes into a pot of boiling water for just about one minute. Scoop the tomatoes out with a slotted spoon and place them in a bowl of ice water. Um, then the skin should just like slip right off. So a kitchen hack yes, there. Yes, Cut. Uh, then cut them into quarters or halves, depending on what size your tomatoes are. Mm-hmm. Take the seeds out with your thumb and then add the tomatoes um, and the first five ingredients to your slow cooker. So that's the tomatoes, the basil, yep. the oregano, the parsley, and the garlic. Yep, uh, and the onion. And the onion. And the okay. onion, yeah. yep. So cook on low for 10 hours or on high for seven hours, stirring occasionally. Uh, the sauce should start reducing about half the size. Um, um, if you want a less chunky sauce, you can pulse within an immersed blender or use a masher to mash up your tomatoes, get those all good and squishy. Um, then <laughs> add in your... Um, If you want your tomato paste to thicken it up, your baking soda, your salt, your pepper, your sugar, and additional herbs to taste, uh, refrigerate it overnight after it's all done, uh, mixed together. Um, The baking soda, the reason for the baking soda is it's kind of a neutralizer, so you don't have to put quite as much sugar in. Okay. So that acidity. Yes. Neutralizes the acidity. Yes, there we go. Yeah. Um, Then heat it up the next day, add your ingredients, your spaghetti noodles, whatever, uh, and enjoy. Or you can also freeze the sauce in a freezer bag after it's cold and um, make sure there's about an inch at the top of your bag because, of course, when it freezes, it expands. Yeah, sure. Uh, So, yeah, you can keep this uh, pretty much forever Mm -hmm. uh, when you uh, freeze it. But again, just to underscore what you were saying, that this is one you want to do the uh, day in advance so you can stick it in the refrigerator for a day. Let, let all, all those, those herbs and everything blend. Yes. And yeah, all yes. of that. So the yep. Crock-Pot spaghetti sauce yes. there for all of your fresh tomatoes. Yep. Um, you have a recipe for zucchini cheddar cheese beer bread. Yes. So this is three cups of all-purpose flour, one tablespoon baking powder, one teaspoon salt, three-fourths teaspoon garlic powder, one cup cheddar cheese grated, three-fourths cups of zucchini grated, three tablespoons of chives chopped, two tablespoons 
tablespoons of honey, 12 ounce can of of your favorite light beer, three tablespoons of butter melted. So prepare a loaf pan, loaf pan with your cooking spray or butter uh, in a medium-sized bowl. Whisk together your flour, your baking powder, salt, garlic powder until well combined. Add your cheese, zucchini, chives, honey, and beer. Stir all that together until combined. Pour the batter into your loaf pan, spread it evenly, brush with tr- three tablespoons of melted butter over the top, bake in a 350 degree oven for about 55 to 70 minutes until golden brown or toothpick insert uh, comes out clean. Um, Allow the zucchini bread to cool completely in the pan, then run a knife along the edges. Um, I, I then take a little bit more of my melted butter and, and put that on Mm. top after it's baked and some some more butter kind of soaks in before it's before it's cooled yeah before it's cooled completely take it out of the oven then a little bit of extra butter a little Mm. extra butter just gives a little better better yum and then um uh you can um the thing is with your zucchini you can shred that ahead of time place it in the freezer and um and then anytime during the winter you can enjoy yeah. Zucchini bread, zucchini brownies, zucchini. I mean, all Whatever. kinds of different yeah. stuff. So that's another nice thing with zucchini. Yeah, the zucchini. I've got some in my freezer right now. <laughs> <laughs> the zucchini cheddar cheese beer bread yes. there. And uh, also have a recipe, and this uses all of the above. You've yes. got uh, the uh, tomatoes, you got the cucumbers, yep. uh, peppers, peppers, onions, yep. you know, whatever it is that you're growing in the garden. Yeah. Uh, this will fill the bill and, yes. and help you take care of some of that, use some of that up. Uh, it is a pico de gallo fre- uh, fresh salsa. Yes. So one large cucumber peeled, seeded, and diced. Two tomatoes chopped. A half of a small green bell pepper diced. A half of a small red bell pepper diced. Uh, one small um, jalapeno pepper seeded and finely chopped. Three-fourths cup diced red onion. Two tablespoons minced garlic. Juice of one large lime. About two to three tablespoons. Uh, juice of a half of a lemon. Two tablespoons of fresh cilantro. Um, If you don't like cilantro, you can use parsley. Uh, A half a teaspoon of dried dill weed and one teaspoon of salt. So in a in a bowl, stir together your cucumbers, your tomatoes, your peppers, your onions, your garlic, your lime, and your lemon juice, and your cilantro or parsley, your dill, and your salt. Uh, mix that all together. Cover and refrigerate for at least one to two hours. Let all those things all... Again, don't yep, let that all and blend it, together. Even overnight, it's even better. Um, and the other thing with this, this is another one that you can you can freeze. Okay. So um, if, you've, if it's like an abundance, which this recipe, there's a lot... That there mm-hmm. um and when i made it i used all of the green pepper and all of the red pepper i mean yeah. they were smaller peppers so depending on uh, yeah, yeah that's on the, the that's size of your point. pepper i mean when um, you're talking about yeah. all of those veggies yeah 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 so and and then it it says it makes about four cups i I felt I got more out of it when I made okay. it. Um, the but other, then again, you use the whole peppers. Correct. True. <laughs> so. That's true. So, so, but yeah, and enjoy. Yeah. Uh, so the pico de gallo fresh salsa, the crockpot spaghetti sauce, and the zucchini cheddar cheese beer bread recipes are all posted at the Kyra's Kitchen Facebook page at Kyra's Kitchen WFIN on Facebook. We also have the link up at goodmornings.net for those fresh from the garden recipes. Uh, for your uh, bountiful harvest yes. in your backyard garden, those end-of-the-season garden recipes. Uh, again, go to Facebook for uh, all of those. My wife, Kyra, thanks very much. You're welcome. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Of course, remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage and that, of course, goodmornings.net. Coming up Monday morning on the program, less than 100 days until Christmas, one in four Americans, roughly, have already started their shopping, but many of us seem to be in a bah humbug frame of mind, and we may have reason to be. So until Monday morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day, a great weekend. I'll catch you back here next week.